Chapter 6 A Desirable Service O Lord, truly I am Thy servant. I am Thy servant and the son of Thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Psalm 116, 8. When a young man starts out in life, he is apt to inquire of an older person in this manner. I would like to get into such a business, but is it a good one? You've been in it for years. How do you like it? He seeks the advice of a friend who will tell him all about it. Someone will warn him that their trade is declining and that there is nothing to be done in it. Others will say that their business is very demanding and they would get out of it if they could. Someone else will answer, Well, I found it all right. I must speak well of the bridge that has carried me over. I've been able to earn a living and I recommend you try it. I give my own experience, and therefore I want to say concerning the service of the Lord that I have never regretted that I entered it. Certainly, at some time or other, since I put on Christ's uniform and became his servant, I should have found out the evil if there had been anything wrong in the religion of Jesus. At some time or other, I should have discovered that there was a mistake and that I was under a delusion. But it has never been so. I have regretted many things that I've done, but I've never regretted that I gave my heart to Christ and became a servant of the Lord. In times of deep depression, and I have had plenty of them, I have feared this and feared the other, but I have never had any suspicion of the goodness of my Master, the truth of His teaching, or the excellence of His service. Neither have I ever wanted to go back to the service of Satan and sin. If we have been paying attention to the country from which we came out, we know that it has offered us many opportunities to return. All sorts of enticements have assailed me, and siren voices have often tried to lure me upon the rocks, but never, never since the day in which I enlisted in Christ's service have I said to myself, I am sorry that I am a Christian, I am dissatisfied that I serve the Lord. Therefore, from my own experience, I think that I may honestly and wholeheartedly recommend to you the service that I have found so good. I have been a bad enough servant, but never has a servant had such a loving master or such a blessed time in serving. I would add this personal testimony. The service of God is so delightful that I would like to die in it. When I have been unable to preach because of physical pain, I have taken my pen to write, and I have found much joy in making books for Jesus. When my hand has been unable to grasp the pen, I have wanted to talk about my master to somebody, and I have tried to do so. I remember that David Brainerd, when he was very ill and could not preach to the Indians, was found sitting up in bed teaching a little Indian boy his letters so that he could learn to read the Bible. Brainerd said, If I cannot serve God one way, I will serve Him another. I will never leave off this blessed service. This is my personal resolve, and truly there is no virtue in saying this, for my Lord's service is a delight. It is a great pleasure to have anything to do for our great Father and friend. Therefore, most affectionately and for your own good, I recommend the service of God to you. To serve God is the most reasonable thing in the world. It was He who made you. Should not your Creator have your service? It is He who supports you in being. Should not that being be spent for His glory? If you had a cow or a dog, 
How long would you keep either of them if it were of no service to you? Suppose it were a dog, and it never showed affection toward you, but followed at everybody else's heel and never took notice of you. It never acknowledged you as its master at all. Would you not soon tire of such a creature? Which of you would make an engine or devise any piece of machinery if you didn't hope that it would be of some service to you? God has made you, and the human body is a wonderful mechanism. The soul is also a wondrous thing. Will you not obey him with the body, or think of him with the mind? This is Jehovah's own lament. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the donkey his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Isaiah 1, 2-3 To have lived to the age of twenty-one, without God, is a terrible robbery. How have you managed it? To have lived to be thirty, or forty, and never to have paid any reverence to him who has kept the breath in your nostrils, without which you would have been a foul carcass in the grave long ago, is a base injustice. How do you dare to continue in it? To have lived so long, and, in addition to that, to have often insulted God, to have spoken against Him, to have profaned His day, to have neglected His book, and to have turned your back on the Son of His love, is not this enough? Will you not cease from such an evil course? There are some men who cannot bear provocation for five minutes, or even five seconds. It is a word and a blow with them. Only the blow frequently comes first. Footnote. A word and a blow is found in William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, as well as in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. But God has been provoked for twenty years at a time, or thirty, forty, or fifty years, or more, yet He bears patiently with us. Is it not time that we give to Him our reasonable service? If He has made us, if He has redeemed us, if He has preserved us in being, it is only what we owe to Him to be His servants. This is the most honorable service that can ever be. Did you say, Lord, I am your servant? I see a bright spirit coming like a flash of light from heaven, and my imagination realizes His presence. There He stands, a living flame. It is a seraph fresh from the throne. And what does He say? O Lord, I am your servant. Are you not glad to enter into such company as this? When cherubim and seraphim count it their glory to be the servants of God, what man among us will think it to be a low office? A prince or an emperor, if he is a sinner against God, is but a servant in the kitchen, compared with the true nobleman who serves the Lord in poverty and toil. This is the highest style of service under heaven. No honor of any one who waits upon any earthly king can rival it. The prestigious British Knights of the Garter, or any other honorable distinction you like, loses its glory in comparison with the man whom God will call servant in the day of the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You are in great company, young friend, if you are a servant of God. Let me note that this service is full of goodness. If I had to engage in a trade, I would like to spend my time and strength in a pursuit that did no harm to anybody, and did good to many. 
Somehow, I don't think that I would like to deal in deadly weapons, and certainly not in the accursed alcohol business. I would rather starve than earn my bread by selling alcohol or anything else that would debase my fellow men and degrade them below the level of brute beasts. It is a wonderful thing, I think, if a young man can follow a calling in which he may do well for himself and be doing well to others at the same time. It is a fine thing to act as some have done who have not grown rich by grinding the faces of poor needlewomen, Isaiah 3.15, or by withholding the wage of the servant behind the counter, but have lifted others up with them, and as they have advanced, those in their employment have advanced also. That is something worth living for in the lower sphere of things, but he who becomes a servant of God is doing good all along for there is no part of the service of God that can do any harm to anybody. The service of the Lord is all goodness. It is good for yourself, and it is good for your fellow men. For what does God ask in His service but that we would love Him with all our heart, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves? Matthew 22, 37-39 He who does this is truly serving God by the help of His Spirit and he is also greatly blessing others. It is a most kind-hearted work to engage in, and that is why I recommend it to you, for its reasonableness, its honorableness, and its goodness. It is the most beneficial work under heaven. Not always today, someone might say, yet I presume to say, always today. To serve God is beneficial now. How so? certainly not in hard cash, as misers rightly call their gold, but in better material. A quiet conscience is better than gold, and to know that you are doing good is something more sweet in life than to know that you are getting rich or famous. Have not some of us lived long enough to know that most of the things of this world are simply foam upon the top of the cup that is far better blown away than preserved? The main joy of life is to be right with yourself, your neighbor, and your God. He who gets right with God, what more does he need? He is paid for anything that he may suffer in the cause of God by his own peace of mind. There was a martyr once in Switzerland, standing barefooted on the pile of wood, and he was about to be burned to death. There was no pleasant prospect for him. He called to the magistrate who was in charge of his execution and asked him to come near him. He said, Please place your hand upon my heart. I am about to die by fire. Place your hand on my heart. If it beats any faster than it ordinarily beats, do not believe my religion. The magistrate, with palpitating heart himself and all in a tremble, laid his hand upon the martyr's chest and found that he was just as calm as if he were going to his bed rather than to the flames. That is a glorious thing. To wear in your buttonhole that little flower called heart's ease, and to have the jewel of contentment in your heart, this is heaven begun below. Godliness is great gain to him who has it. 1 Timothy 6.6 I think that all that we can get in this world is inconsequential because we must leave it, or it must leave us, in a very short time. Young men, if you live, your hair will very soon be powdered with the gray of age. How short life is! How swift time is! The older we get, 
the faster years fly. Only that which I can have forever is worth having. Only that which death cannot tear out of my hand is worth grasping. The supreme reward of being a servant of God is hereafter. If, young man, you would serve God and meet with losses here for Christ's sake, you may consider these to be light afflictions that are only for a moment. 2 Corinthians 4.17. And you may think them to be quite unworthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. Romans 8.18. This is true because there is a resurrection of the dead. There is a judgment to come. There is a life eternal. There is a heaven of unspeakable splendor, and there is a place in that heaven for every one of us who become true servants of the living God. I think that I hear somebody saying, Well, I don't want to be a servant. You cannot help it, my friend. You cannot help it. You must be a servant of somebody. Then I will serve myself, someone says. Pardon me, brave sir, if I whisper in your ear that if you serve yourself, you will serve a fool. The man who is the servant of himself, listen to this sentence, the man who is the servant of himself is the slave of a slave. I cannot imagine a more degrading position for a man to be in than to be the slave of a slave. You will certainly serve somebody. You will wear shackles, too, if you serve the master that most men choose. Oh, simply look at this city, this city full of free men. Do most of them know real liberty? Look at this city full of free thinkers. Is there any man who thinks in chains like the man who calls himself a free thinker? Is there any man as misguided as the man who will not believe in the Bible? He swallows a ton of difficulties, yet complains that we have swallowed an ounce of them. He has much more need of faith of a certain type than we have, for skepticism has far harder problems than faith. Then look at the one who claims to live free, one who lives to gratify the desires of the flesh. What a bondage is his life! Who hath woe? Who hath redness of eyes, but the slave of strong drink? Proverbs 23, 29-30 who has rottenness in the bones but the slave of his passions? Proverbs 14.30. Is there any wretch who ever rode in the Spanish galley, or any bondsman beneath the sun, who is half as much of a slave as he who will be led tonight of his lusts like a bullock to the slaughter, going to his own damnation, and even to the ruin of his body, while he makes himself the victim of his own passions? If I must be a slave, I will be a slave to Turk or savage, but never to myself, for that would be the lowest pit of degradation. You must be a servant to somebody. There's no getting through the world without it. But if you are the servant to yourself, your bondage will be terrible. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Joshua 24:15. For you must serve. Every man must get to his task whether he is a prince or a pauper, a millionaire or a beggar. Kings and queens are usually the most wearied servants of all. The higher men climb, the more they have to serve their fellow men. You must serve. Oh, that you would enter the service of your God! There is room in it. Other places are crowded. 
Hundreds of young men go from shop to shop and beg for the opportunity to earn a livelihood. I lament that in many instances they beg in vain. Some of you wear the boots off your feet in trying to get some work to do. How sincerely I desire that you may find the employment you seek. But there is room in the service of God, and He is willing to receive you. Let me tell you that if you enter His service, it will help you in everything that you have to do in this life. They say that a Christian man is a fool. O proud opposers, though we do not say the same to you, we can perhaps truthfully think the same about you. I have seen many believers in Jesus whom it would have been very dangerous to deal with as with fools, for very soon he who dealt with them in that way would have found that he made a great mistake. They are not always fools who are called so. They are such sometimes who use those names about others. I like a Christian man to be all the better in every way for being a Christian. He should be a better employee and a better employer. He should be a better tradesman and a better artisan. Certainly there is no poet whose poetry excels that of the poet of the sanctuary. John Milton still sits alone above the rest. There is no painter who should paint as well as he who tries to make immortal the memorable scenes in which great deeds were done. That which you can now do well, you could do better by becoming a servant of God.